0: FOREVER! DOG! I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain now I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man I don't know what that even means I just want you in my arms again. We can search each other's dreams. What's up, 3Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of this podcast, 3 Swings, which is a podcast that is about baseball, but it's also about other things. I hope everybody's doing all right. It's, boy. Uh, First of all, thanks for listening last week to the repeat classic episode with Greg Proops. We're going to do those for a little while while we are not having men's professional baseball in this country. Um, and we'll get back into that a little bit later. I am enjoying everybody watching Korean baseball. I would love to watch it. I am just honestly not willing to shell out a bunch of money to watch it right now. Um, and that's just my choice. And I don't want to stay up till 1130 every night. That's just, that's my line. I can't do it. I'm happy to watch the clips on Twitter the next day. I'm happy for anybody that's into it. It's not that I'm not into it. I just can't stay up at night because if I start doing that, oof, this is all just going to go downhill pretty fast. Um, so with that being said, I hope you enjoyed the Greg Proops episode. It was a it was amazing to talk to him. I love talking to that guy. Um, anytime he's, I just sit and listen. You know, he's uh he's got so much baseball in his brain. He's got so much everything in his brain, but he's got so much baseball in his brain. I'm adjusting my microphone. Um, I wish you could see my <laughs> my podcasting setup right now. Um, and just like that reminds me, thank you to everybody that listened to this podcast. When I was holding the microphone in my hand and it was making so much noise, I'm sure that was so annoying. And I really appreciate you dealing with it. Um, I remember when I was in my office job days and listening to podcasts and how annoying those things would be. And I really appreciate it. I was suffering from misophonia at the time, whether that's a real thing or not. I don't know. Uh, I was reading about it the other day. Doctors, I guess, uh, see it as more of a symptom of, uh, anxiety rather than an actual, um, syndrome. So that's kind of an interesting thing because if I, look back in my own life and look at that time, I absolutely was suffering from tremendous anxiety at the time. So it makes sense. Um, and if you don't know what misophonia is, it's like a hatred of sounds, <laughs> which is interesting to me. Um, Cause that isn't necessarily like a syndrome. Um, and does to me feel way more of a symptom of a larger issue. Um, and in doing some like work, in my own life, um, those things have been relieved, which I'm super grateful for. Not to say that mouth sounds don't bother me anymore. I just, it doesn't bother me as much. And I don't um, have like a huge aversion to them. And I don't lose my mind every time I hear something. But I used to work next to somebody who would eat nectarines every day. And like, I love, I absolutely love nectarines. I also understand how they sound, but boy, she used to eat one every day and she would just slurp that thing. So I'm grateful that I don't have to listen, sit two feet away from somebody slurping a nectarine. I also am not working that job anymore. So very grateful for that. Um, I hope everybody's having a good time Uh, to the best of your ability. I hope you're hanging in there. Um, If you're like me, you're in Los Angeles and we are going to do three more months of lockdown. Um, I personally think that's the right call. Am I like stoked about it? No. I would also say that I kind of am because I was concerned that lockdowns were going to get lifted. And it just didn't feel, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the authority here. So I don't, I don't get to make these decisions, but I was preparing to sort of like stay in my house while other people aren't, you know? Um, So I'm glad that that's the case because the people that are going to suffer the most are the people who have to go physically back to work now, um, in these places where the lockdowns are easing. And, um, you know, I, I would like to think that I would have empathy and understanding and practice that sort of principle of not putting other people in danger just for my own comfort, whether it was affecting me personally or not. However, it is affecting me personally. And both my parents have been working consistently through this whole thing. Um, And my mom works in a retail situation. My dad works in a warehouse. However, he's dealing with packages and things, you know, delivery people coming in and out. And they've also now opened the store. People can come in now. Um, But my mom works in a retail pharmacy. And, you know, it's it's, a practice every time I talk to her to not, um, be righteously angry for her, you know, and not, you know, rage against the machine of this whole thing. Um, and just like love her. And then also, you know, try to practice that out here, you know, wear a mask everywhere. Don't touch things. Don't go to the store if I don't need to. Um, and I'm just grateful that I'm in a position that I can do that. Um, instead of I, I don't know I mean i'm not doing it perfectly no one is there's no perfect answer because we don't we don't have all the answers and we're just all trying to do our best so i guess i guess i would just say do it to the best of your ability if, for everybody you know like there's we can scream at the sky as much as we want but we have to practice the thing and that's um i think the most important thing and what i have been seeing and reading the most is that, masks and washing your hands are the most effective things. Like the six foot distance is helpful. I think that um, wearing a mask all the time is the most preventative measure. And, you know, we early on, like the idea of herd immunity was going around. But the reality is if we could have this a sort of herd concept that just wearing masks is part of life and we're doing it to take care of each other we would probably drastically reduce the spread of this thing because it is, it spreads through droplets and, uh, I'm seeing like people in choirs getting it and sustained, you know, like the meatpacking industry is, is, is a cruel industry and it affects not just the animals, but the people who are also animals, um, mostly because they don't care about safety (laughs) in that industry and of their workers or the animals. It turns out if you are willing to turn an animal, which is a living thing into a product, um, a mass consumption product, you're actually willing to do that to human beings as well. It's interesting how those two things go hand in hand. Um, And the, the, the the fact that workers can't really wear the PPE and also effectively communicate with each other, and thus are screaming at each other, and then just, and they're packed in working next to each other, and screaming and passing this thing all over the place. Um, So the only, I mean, I, I offer nothing but, hey, let's just all keep doing this thing. And as much as you can, just look at, look to the people that are doing their best. Try not to fixate on the people who aren't, um, because it, it does nothing but hurt you you know it does nothing but make me angry and frustrated and and then treat people with disdain instead of compassion when i see them to only focus on the people who aren't doing it right you know do i like it when i see somebody that's carrying their mask and then they don't see me and then the last second they see me they put it on yeah it's silly and do i want to be like just wear it but They've got it, and then they put it on, and that's good enough, you know? Like, do I want to be, like, a lot of good that's doing you in your hand when somebody's walking around carrying a mask? Sure. But if I focus on that, I will just, like, fester on it and not be able to open myself to the fact that we're all trying and we're all doing our best. And like I've been saying for about a year, not everybody's best is your best. Not everybody's best lines up with what you think is best and what you think is right. And it truly is actions over words and people will pay attention to what you're doing a lot more than what you're screaming at them. Um, And so you can only lead by example at this point. And I think we're at such, such a pivotal time where these States are opening back up and some of them because they didn't have the outbreaks that like New York had or New Jersey had or, California has like them opening back up is not a is not showing big spikes yet but it might take some time and then other states are going well they're not having a problem so we're going to do it's like it's it's all so precarious you know um and we've got like i don't know there's military hol- helicopters flying over my house and there's like blue angels flying over hospitals and like i can't think of anything more american than showing support of people trying to save people's lives than by f- by like flying weaponry of mass death over the the hospitals themselves like i can't it's not like i just can't think of anything more american than that than like let's let's throw weapons at it you know like let's let's and and if you don't think a fighter jet is a weapon Maybe just think on that for a little bit, you know, like if if the fighter jet is not a weapon when it's here, but it's a weapon someplace else, like maybe consider that line of thinking for a little bit, you know, Um, I think flyovers are probably some of the most effective propaganda that's ever existed. Um, And the fact that we do that in other countries to maintain our sort of grasp on the occupation of those countries and the sort of mentality in of of its people seems like we might be doing that to ourselves also um and i can't think of a more american way of of showing our appreciation to people who are putting their lives on the line to help keep other people's lives uh going than by threatening them with violence even though it's not explicitly that but like I mean, it's like a, a, a gun salute. Same thing. Same, same thing. And I guess I would, I don't know if, I hope this helps people. I, I don't know. I'm uh, trying to share my thoughts and it's like just masks and wash your hands. Masks and wash your hands. If you don't need to go somewhere, don't go. That doesn't mean isolate, don't ever go anywhere. You got to get out and 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 exercise your body and move your body around. But it's like, I was just in Hawaii, like when this shit was going down and I really didn't have a concept of, of what was happening. And, um, I think I might've said this on the show already, but I feel like it bears repeating. I just, there was a native Hawaiian person who was parked next to me and I had my door all the way open of my car, like getting sand out of my shoes. And I didn't notice he was waiting to get into his car. And then I noticed, and I said, Oh, I'm sorry about that. And he goes, that's okay. We don't really take up much space and i've been trying to think about that throughout this whole thing like how much space do i actually need to take up like how much how much do i need you know is how much do i need versus how much do i want how much do how much of this is need based and how much of it is want based and do i want what i have versus do i have what i want do i need to go out and consume experiences and go be out in these places. I mean, this has given me so much. There's, there's so much that I used to do just to do it, you know, and mindlessly and spend money just to feel like alive, you know? So I'm grateful in some ways for this time because it's helped me realign my perspective on what is actually important. Um, But I know a lot of people out there that are listening to this either have to go back to work or, have people in their lives who have to go back to work or who have been working this whole time. And I feel for you. I have an experience with that too. And it is difficult. It is incredibly difficult to, to not focus on the fact that I don't want my mom to get this. (laughs) Um, and it's hard, it's difficult. And I, my heart goes out to everyone who has lost a loved one, from this at this time from COVID-19 because it's so we're so separate separated from this experience, even though we know it's happening. Um, and it's such a, it's, it's confusing is the only word that I can think of. Um, and I guess I would say before we get into the couple news items, I guess this is like a baseball news item, uh, but I wanted to put it up top because bench coach Brett gave me some notes and it's not in there. So this one's just off the top of my head, kind of. Um, it's uh, the anniversary yesterday, I think, of the uh, the biggest, the biggest blown call in perhaps all of sports, I think, personally. Um, the blown call of the last out of Armando Galarraga's perfect game. Uh, he was throwing a perfect game through nine, had two outs uh ran to first base to cover um miggy cabrera throws to first he throws his arms up in the air because he it's it's very clearly gets the runner at first and jim joyce the first base umpire calls him safe and i watched a couple versions of this and i watched the john boy breakdown today um which i you know I, i i like watching his uh his breakdowns um And and when I watched that one, it was interesting to see Jim Joyce for just a second. And perhaps it was just me, but it did look like he was about to call out and then he said safe. Um, And like, I just want to point out, and I feel like this is something it it, it, this is this is it's it's sort of the attitude that I need, Um, given everything that I just went through in this intro. It's sort of the attitude that I'm trying to carry with me, which is that Armando Galarraga sees that he did not get the call, and he smiles. Now, is this a smile of, like, joy and happiness? No. But he doesn't fight. He doesn't lose his temper. He smiles. He gets back on the mound, and he gets the last out, and he continues on with the perfect game. He finishes the game. Now, that is what we all have to do. Like, that is... Perseverance, you know, that is it. When you don't lose your shit, when you stay the course, you are like, yes, absolutely. These people are all doing it wrong. This person's wrong. The president is wrong. (laughs) Like, everybody is wrong. This is very, very wrong. Something very wrong just happened. You have to keep your head up and keep going. Um, And I see this call like he, Armando, is calling for this call to be overturned there was no replay at the time you could see in the replay for the booth very obviously that it, he was clearly out at first base um there's just no there's no two ways about it he was out uh i say you overturn that i mean i say you absolutely over, especially given what we're going through now and i know that you might think like How can you say that Pete Rose can't be in the Hall of Fame, but Armando Galarraga gets a perfect game? Well, one of those things I can actually see on paper, and one of those things is not about morality. I mean, it is about morality, but it's not about like personal responsibility. Like that guy got the call wrong. They, the umpires. I don't know why they didn't just have like a at home plate. Let's talk about this. What did you see? They just, they just got it wrong you know, it was just wrong. So I personally think he gets the perfect game. In my mind, it's a perfect game. Made me realize I want to go back and, uh, look at the details of the Rich Hill perfect game against the pirates, because I can't remember if the walk-off was, was what sealed the no hitter or what sealed the perfect game. Or if he had lost the perfect game before the, the walk-off, I can't remember that, but I would love to see that. And then sort of then I will be able to speak to it a lot better. But, you know, who knows? Does accuracy matter when it comes to passion? I don't know. (laughs) With that, we'll be right back with what the MLB is going to try to do this summer. All right, we're back. What... Fantastic ad reads. Thanks for listening to those and consider uh, trying them out. Um, It helps the show. It helps the companies. It helps me. It helps everybody. Um, So I think the major news um, that's going on this week is that the owners have approved for the MLB to return in July. Let me just say that again. The owners approve MLB return in July. They've sent to the players union for approval. They've sent a plan, a proposal To the Players Union, uh, Major League Baseball owners approved a proposal on a return-to-play scenario that aims to have baseball back in home stadiums by early July. Commissioner Rob Manford presented this proposal in part to players this past Tuesday. Although men's Major League Baseball could benefit long-term from being the first American team sport to return amid the coronavirus pandemic, the logistics of starting the season remain convoluted and require player support. Money is at the heart of the return, sources said. Owners, fearful of deep financial losses with fan-free stadiums, agreed in a conference call Monday afternoon to a plan that includes a 50-50 revenue split with the players. Sources told ESPN. Interesting to me that not only in these notes, but in all of the Twitter sort of that's that's where I get most of my news, which is perhaps a bad thing, but I'm truly at a loss of where to get most of my news at this point without paying a lot of money. Um, that this is a plan, the sort of top level plan by MLB and something I've just been picking up and watching. I've been watching the last dance. Also, I'm catching up on it. Um, how much the the owners of sports teams and the, the sort of organization of sports teams teams like the NBA, the MLB, the NHL and the NFL all use the media to, to like, um, have the upper hand with players and players unions. Um, it's pretty wild because I, I, you know, in watching those things, I remember how sort of twisted my thinking about like someone like Scottie Pippen or Dennis Rodman just thinking, and I mean, I was a child, so I didn't have a complex understanding of why someone would, you know, sit something out or you know, decide to get surgery. And, you know, like I didn't understand the nuances, but the media doesn't help you understand the nuances because they have financial interests in keeping these things going. So it's interesting to me that the, the, the owners and the MLB, Rob Manfred are all leaking this stuff to the press, which then puts the players on the offensive or defensive to then have to respond to these things. They also are making it about money and how much money the players are getting instead of, like, I don't know, health of literally anyone involved. Um, Because if you make it about money, then it looks... And the players are saying, we don't want to play for less. It makes them look like they're bratty millionaires who don't want to play the sport that they are... They are all fully well aware of how lucky they are to get to play at this level. Um, But it makes them seem, you know, like they don't care or like they're sticking their nose up at, oh, please. These owners are like, please, you've got to you've got to give America what they need. You've got to go out there and fight the good fight and go to war for America on the feet. And it's like it's that's not what this is. You know, that's not what this is. And I love baseball. I have a podcast about baseball. I love baseball so much. I've been doing a podcast about baseball almost every week. <laughs> I've been doing a podcast about baseball, a sport which most people, when I tell them that, say I hate baseball. <laughs> I love this sport. It has been with me throughout my entire life. I am okay without baseball because it is all of this is at a tremendous cost. I don't understand how any of this, how it, it's just, it's just actually baffling to me. Uh, because MLB is the lone uncapped team sport in the United States, never has a straight revenue split been part of the game's finances. The MLB PA is almost certain to reject that element of the proposal and counter that a March agreement Between the parties guaranteed players a prorated portion of their salaries, depending on the number of games played. The ability to strike a financial deal could mean the difference between a baseball season and one that is canceled. MLBPA Executive Director Tony Clark told The Athletic that a system that restricts player pay based on revenues is a salary cap, period. This is not the first salary cap proposal our union has received. It probably won't be the last, Clark said. That the league is trying to take advantage of a global health crisis to get what they've failed to achieve in the past and to anonymously negotiate through the media for the last several days suggests they know exactly how this will be received. So there you go. Um, and let's also just mention uh, among the other vital points included in the proposal an expansion of playoff teams from 10 to 14, an 82 game season the use of home stadiums in areas that have local and state government approval. So therefore, I don't think you get it because, I mean, Los Angeles can't play, won't be playing any games in their home stadium. A so-called spring training 2.0 that begins in June with a season set for early July, a universal designated hitter, geographical schedules in which teams only play in-division opponents and interleague opponents in a similar area. For example, American American League Central Teams play AL Central and National League Central Teams. A 30-man roster with the taxi squad that would have upward of 50 players available. I just don't understand. I I, I don't understand. I, I, I understand that we all players want to play and we want to watch baseball, but at what cost? How is this not pulling resources? I, I read a quote somewhere last night about like, oh, well, we won't be pulling resources, but they have nothing to back it up other than saying we won't. Like, and how does that, how has that worked out for us so far? Just believing that a bunch of incredibly rich people are going to not do something that they say they're not going to do. Isn't that what has gotten us in this mistake to begin with? Just believing that people will do the right thing. So our next, uh, related to that compensation not discussed in MLB's opening talks with players. So I'm guessing this is like, I'm just reading this as, as here we go. So a multi hour meeting, this is like the next stage after the, the, the news piece that I just read a multi-hour meeting between major league baseball and the MLB players association on Tuesday was a first step in addressing the complex issues facing a restart for the sport amid the coronavirus pandemic. Though the discussion didn't involve any economic components pertaining to player compensation, sources familiar with the meeting told ESPN. Also, my source for this is ESPN. Items addressed include timing and logistics for a second spring training, potential rule changes, roster sizes, and transaction rules. A good bulk of the meeting revolved around COVID-19 testing protocols, including contact tracing and response procedures in case of positive tests. Details for much of the health and safety concerns will be relayed to the association in the coming days. Also addressed were ballpark access procedures moving forward, as well as health and safety issues away from the ballpark. Once the health concerns are addressed, discussions will move on to the biggest hurdle, the economics at play. The Players Association believes this is a settled debate, having agreed in late March to a prorated salary structure that would pay players for every game they play this season. However, the owners clearly believe the question is still open to negotiation based on the plan they agreed to on Monday. Uh, Clearly, there's a lot that they all need to talk about (laughs) to try to even get this in place. Um, I think... There's it's just beyond me that 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 you could even with I don't think you could even get to a place where it makes any sense w- in enough time for this to even start. Um, all these states have begun to open up and we will see in the next couple days whether it's even safe to be doing that right now. I mean, in my mind, it's not because we don't have enough information. I, and I, I just think the fact the, the the thing that is this is about money. This is not about America getting its beloved sport back. Because if America cared about getting its beloved sport back, they would wait until it was safe for everybody. And this just doesn't take into consideration anything other than how do we get them back on the field. And I just don't understand why that is the most important thing right now. It's it's actually stunning to me. They have so much money. They have so much money that they could be donating to help get this crisis under control and then we would get baseball back probably sooner not as soon as they're proposing because that's impossible however if they were somehow i don't know willing to part with their billions of dollars to like i don't know maybe everybody gets paid a little bit less you know how about you not like keep people on the payroll that do do nothing <laughs> like executives that don't have a job that are just like n- nepotism. I don't know. Now I'm just very, very negative about this thing. I do. I want to wrap up the discussion though. Um, with uh, Sean Doolittle's thread, which if you haven't seen it, it was on May 11th. Um, he, he goes through a nearly like, it's, a, it's something like a 20 piece, 20, 20 text thread. Um, about we, there's so much, we don't know. These, these are the main points. We don't know what the coronavirus does long-term to people who, who are infected by it. So, uh, there's respiratory issues, evidence of kidney, intestinal, and liver damage, as well as neurological malfunctions, blood clots, and strokes. He also said COVID-19 patients often develop lung scarring or ground glass opacities. These were found even in asymptomatic patients. And because the virus often affects both lungs can cause permanent damage in some cases. This is a concern for an athlete. This also brings me to the point of why these people are paid so much to begin with. Athletes are paid a lot of money because they help make a company a lot of money. They also are paid a lot of money because they're putting their body in a precarious position nearly every day. This is why women should also be paid fairly for their work as talented athletes. Then that is the other third part of it, that they're being paid for their talent and their ability. Do we pay someone more when there is a crisis, like a health crisis that they could be, be putting themselves in more danger of getting by doing their job? I say yes. And is their job essential? I say no. No shouldn't we be paying, shouldn't we be taking some of this money, some of these resources and helping to protect the people who do have to work? I would say yes. Uh, and continuing with his, uh, thread, um, sharing indoor spaces greatly increases the infection risks. So, so how are they, they also say if they test positive, they're not going to immediately quarantine someone, I guess, because they think it would probably be fine if they all got it. Cause it's just them. I, 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 there's, I just don't understand. It's, it's so much. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so, it's so many factors of not just like, it's, it's interesting to me, the mindset of the owners of baseball are very s- similar to, I would say the government, um, all which is that like, there's some risk associated with everything. So we just have to get back to our lives. And I just don't think that's where we're at. And back to our lives is, I think a sort of false thread to follow because we're just not going to go back to what our lives were like before, you know, like this is our life now. This is our life. Our life is going to continue on from here. We don't have a time machine where we can go back to what it was like In November of 2019, we don't, we don't have a way of doing that. Like we are forever affected by this thing and we are continually affected by it in that it's still happening. So how could you even consider bringing team sports into this? (laughs) You can't, uh, physically distance from someone when you're at bat. Now, obviously they're talking about quarantining the league as a, an entity. It's impossible what are you going to have a police state? Like they're going to pay attention to where every single one of these people goes so that they don't somehow get this. Like it's, 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 it's uh it's kind of unfathomable when you really think about it. And that's the thing is like, it's a bunch of rich people who have a bottom line and they are willingly looking away at the reality of how dangerous this could be and convincing people that it's more important. Um, and that's, I guess the job for us is to be able to discern that and to not freak out and realize like, I'm just not going to participate. <sighs> <laughs> on Monday, nationals relief pitcher and friend of the pod, Sean Doolittle weighed in on Twitter about the ongoing discussion between players and owners, highlighting the lack of discussion around quote health protections for players, family, staff, stadium workers, and the workforce it would require to resume a season. That is the conversation. money, doesn't matter, but they will look to it because it's, it's, it's easy. Um, there's that quote, money is the root of all evil. Evil can be anything that isn't positive, anything that isn't good and anything that isn't done out of love. And so it's not simply that all evil sprouts from money. It's that money can become the root of the wanting, you know? Um, and so that just is kind of the way I look at all of these things that are opera. It's all about money. We in this country have made it all about money. It's always about money in America. Like you want to know why somebody's making a decision. You want to know why somebody in the government is saying things that you cannot even fathom. Follow the money. Where's the money Lebowski? That's what it's about. It's always about the money. Follow the money. I guess I just feel, generally speaking, to sort of wrap this all up, to sort of bring it back to what I was talking about at the beginning with like having somebody that has had to work this whole time who's an essential worker, this whole thing about getting, it's just about getting back to work as the work is the most important thing that we have. It's not about what we do or how we live. It's that we work and we make money. But what the reality actually is, is that we go to work to make other people money And I can't help but see the baseball situation is that, that they are willing to put people's lives on the line to make sure they keep making money. And I guess I just, for me, am looking at the ways in which I live that way too. And trying to get myself out of that mode of thinking that the only thing there is to do is to do, to get, to get more money, to get this, to get that, to do this, to get that. And as sad and difficult and heartbreaking as all of this truly is. It is a moment to look at ourselves and the way we each live our lives and the way we might be able to change a little bit. I'm not talking about, you know, going and living on a commune. If that's what you're going to do, I have more power to you. I just mean, how can you readjust your life to take up a little bit less space? Because the space you take up isn't even really yours. And so then when it's taken away, it just like pulls the blocks out from underneath you. And I just see all of this as an opportunity, not in a selfish way, in, in, a, in the way that that's the only way we can look at it is an opportunity to readjust our own lives to maybe help other people's lives go a little bit smoother. I'm not sure. Um, but it's like kind of the only way that I can look at it. So I'm going to wrap up this podcast. Um, it's been a lot of fun to talk to you. I am working on getting some guests. We're going to keep running those classic episodes. Please check those out. Share those with friends who are looking for something new to listen to. Um, Also, as I said in one of our ads, I just wanted to repeat again to you that uh, we are going to be doing the old ball game again this Sunday, May 17th. Greg, Waylon, and I will be watching another all-time classic. It's Nolan Ryan's seventh no-hitter that took place on May 1st, 1991. The outcome may be known, but I cannot wait to see how it happens. And I hope you will all join us. You can sign up for the Old Ball Game on Patreon at patreon.com slash swings. We live stream the games on Sundays at 4.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then the live streams are made available in video and podcast form on the Patreon the following week. That is live streamed on Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash old ball game Um, and bench coach Brett made some sweet, sweet graphics this last time. So please come check that out. We watched the uh, Mickey Mantle versus uh, Jackie Robinson game seven of 1952. It was actually a lot of fun to watch that old of a game. I had no idea the pace of play was so fast. So thank you for your support and coming out to see those. We will see you this Sunday for the old ball game. And thank you again for listening to three swings, Um, you know, like us on whatever and write a review, subscribe rate whatever um and as always if you liked it you liked it forever dog this has been a forever dog production executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio and Alex Ramsey